So today we're continuing this series called Making Change. And what it's about is how we can make some financial changes in our life that can really make a difference. Because some of you really need to make some financial changes. See, money can be a source of great joy in our life or it can be a source of great stress. If you're married, you probably have had some heated discussions about money. I won't ask you to raise your hands because I know every married couple would do so. You would say, yep, we've had heated discussions about money. Who's worried about money individually? Who's ever worried about money? That should be 100% of us in the room. When Cinda and I first got married, the year was 1992. And I was, I was 25 years old and we merged our money together. I had been living out on my own for a while. And so I'd have my own checkbook for a while. I'm not a big detail person. And she had just finished her degree in accounting. And, and uh, I knew what I needed to get me through life, right? And so she has my checkbook and she brings it to me and she said, hey, Donnie, what is this error that you seem to have quite often in the checkbook? I was like, oh, well, when I get my bank statement, uh, whatever amount it's off, if it's under 20 bucks, I just put error, balance my checkbook, move on with life. <laughs> now, saying that, if you have a personality like mine, you're probably like, well, what's the big deal? Say that to an accountant, so that started happening less and less in our family as the years went on because she wanted to have it to the penny. I'm okay if it's 20 bucks. Is that 20 bucks? I'll just put error and move on with life. That didn't work for the accountant. And probably in your marriage, if you're married, you probably have opposing views when it comes to money. Even in life, those of you that aren't married, you probably have some concerns about finances. And so we've all dealt with tension when it comes to our finances. And so we're starting this series, started last week, we're gonna wrap it up in a couple of weeks, about how we can make better choices with money. The series is called Making Change. And we're talking about how to manage our resources financially in such a way that honors God and changes our lives. It's all wrapped around these four statements that we're going to say together. Here they are. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Let's do that again. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Last week we talked about less is more. Today we're talking about how stress is bad. I want you to remember those. Remember those four things. And today we're talking about the biggest cause of stress financially is this word debt. Like, man, you talked about politics. Now you're talking about money. It's kind of getting a little personal here. This is church. We're not supposed to talk about that kind of stuff. Now, before you think that I'm just going to make you feel guilty, uh, I'm not. Now, some of you need to feel guilty. If you're in debt today, there's a couple of reasons. The first one is, it's because you got there. It's because you look at what you made and what you wanted and you realize there was a gap, so you use debt to get you to what you want, even though it's more than what you make. What's in the middle is debt. And you've done that so many times, you've found yourself in this unmanageable debt that's affecting other areas of your life, and today, you should feel guilty. Guilt motivates us to change. Now, some of you are in debt 
because something bad happened in your life and it's, it's not your fault. You lost a job. A spouse walked out on you. A medical problem came into your life and the only way to get through it was debt. I don't want you to feel guilty. But the fact remains, whether you're in debt because of your own bad decisions or you're in debt because of something that happened in your life, I think we can all agree that the pathway out is the pathway to freedom. The pathway away from stress is to put debt behind you. Debt is simply this, spending more money than I make. Spending more money than I have. Maybe you remember Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson was on a commercial about 15 years ago. And maybe you can identify with Stanley Johnson. Take a look. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. So, uh, debt never leads to a good place. It never takes you to a better place. Nobody has ever said to me, you know, before I had debt, I, I tossed and turned at night, but now I have debt, I just sleep like a baby. Like, things just seem so much more calm in my life. And, and guys, if, if you're still looking to snag a wife at some point, I never have heard of a girl saying, you know what? I was wavering on the marriage, but when I found out how much debt he had, he got all sexy to me all of a sudden. They're not going to say that. That's not going to happen. Nobody's going to say, well, before we had debt, we fought all the time. And now that we have debt, our relationship is so much stronger. You're not going to hear anybody say that. I've never heard anybody say that, but I have heard things like, I wish I could go on that mission trip to Ecuador or to Haiti or whatever mission trip that we're going on that year. I just don't have the money. I've heard people say, I, I would like to be able to help with this need because of a, a natural disaster or something else has happened. I would like to be able to help support the mission of our church, but I can't because all of my money and then some is already spoken for. I've heard people say, I would really like for my wife to be able to stay home with the kids. Now that's an individual family choice, but I've heard people say, that's what I want, that's what we want, but we're not able. She has to work or he has to work. Both of us have to work in order for us be able to make ends meet. I've heard people say, I wish I didn't have to have the second job or work so many hours, but that's not even close to being an op option. So debt causes stress and stress is bad. So if you've ever been that guy in the video that says, won't somebody just please help me? There's good news because the Bible offers a lot of practical wisdom about how to move from being covered in debt to being free. A lot of practical wisdom about how to handle our finances so we can live the life that God wants for all of us. 
There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We give these out every week. That's yours to keep. You can borrow it. You can also read along on the screen. So there's this Old Testament king that we talked about last week in the first week of this series. We're going to continue to look at his wisdom. His name is Solomon. God declared him the wisest man who ever lived. He also made him the richest king in the world at the time. He would still be rich by today's standards. And when he got older, he wrote down a bunch of his wisdom to share with the next generation. And so when it comes to money, Solomon had a lot to say about how to handle our finances and our possessions. In Proverbs 22, he has this to say about debt. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. He's simply saying that when you borrow something for, from someone else, you are a slave to them until you return it. And so when it comes to money, you know how much it feels like you're under pressure when you've got all of these payments laid out that you have to make because of bad financial decisions that you made earlier in life. Well, until you pay them back, Solomon says, you are under their control. And debt can make you feel like you can never be free. But being debt-free is when you're telling your money what it's going to do rather than your money telling you where it all has to go. You know, one of the big crises in our country right, is, is, right now is, is uh, student loans. And students, let me tell you, if you're in high school right now, getting ready to go to college, figure out a way to do it without student loans. There are ways. People do it. Figure it out. Don't choose the school that is going to cause you to have to get all these loans. Choose the one that you can get through debt-free. We made that commitment to our girls a long time ago, that they were not going to be handed their degree. And by the way, here's your loan that you're going to have to pay for with that new job that you're going to get. We decided a long time ago, and if you're behind on that, start getting ahead. If you, whatever you can do about it, fix it. That you don't start out in life with loans. I remember the 78 bucks a month I had to pay for 10 years to get that thing paid off. So debt is the bad news. But the good news is there's a way out. So recently I read about these three financial prayers that we can pray to ask God to intervene and help us with our finances, and this is a great message to share them in. So here's the first one. So here's, here's financial prayers. You're going to want to write these down. First one is, God, give me self-control. King Solomon said this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And he's talking about ancient cities, and he's using this metaphor that well, when you don't have self-control, you're like a big city that has lost its walls. And then the only way a city could be protected by its enemies, the first line of defense, was its walls. And when the walls fell, the enemy could come right in. And he's saying, when you don't have any discipline in your life, when you don't have self-control, it's like you're a city without any protection. So if, so if I lose my self-control, I lose protection in areas of my life. If you lose moral self-control, it will lead to trouble. 
If you've ever lost your moral self-control, you know the trouble in the heart that can come after that. And if we lose financial self-control, it's the same thing. And we just buy, 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 purchase, 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 no matter what. It's like our protection starts to fall and we are vulnerable in all areas of our life. Arguing about money is the number one cause of divorce in our country. Husband and wife splitting up because of money. Because it leads to a lot of other bad decisions. And so a person without self-control, they're a person who is not as protected as they should be in their life. Our youngest, who's now 18 years old, uh, the first word that she said was not dada, not mama, it was mine. And I actually followed her around with a recorder and I recorded her saying, mine, mine, mine. She said it all the time. And I remember thinking, some people are 30 years old and they still live like that. Mine, 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 mine. And when you live like that, you tend to let your purchasing outpace your income. Now, we're entering into a season where there's a lot of people counting on you to throw off your self-control. You've probably gotten it in your mailbox already. You know those exclusive offers just for you? Just for those pre-selected special people? Like everybody that breathes? They get one in their mailbox? And you can come and get this and you can get it on credit. And you don't have to pay for it till 2020 or whenever. You are pre-selected. You're in a select group of people who are gullible enough to think that somehow you save money by spending money. I don't get that. I had a guy talk to me one time about his engagement. And he was stressed out about what he should spend for his engagement ring. And I started with, well, how much money do you have? Let's start there. Well, the guy at the jewelry store said, you're supposed to spend two times your monthly income. And I said, that's the jeweler. Of course he's going to tell you that. How many of you think you need a new mattress because it's more than eight years old? The mattress makers are the ones that came up with that. So you would buy a mattress whenever your parents probably slept on the same thing for 20 years. And all of a the sudden they figure out, hey, this is the way we can make some more money. Let's tell everybody their mattresses wear out in eight years. And that way we can keep replacing them. Nobody should be sleeping on a thing for 20 years. It's nasty. It's dirty. It gets that way in about 90 days, by the way. Now, there's not that, nothing wrong with that. That's the business. That's the way they make money. But they're counting on us to make bad decisions financially and to lose our self-control. When you are sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner table, you are going to be talking about Black Friday, which is the next day, but kind of not anymore. It kind of starts on Thanksgiving. But you're going to be telling the person in your family that if it's, uh, it's either your husband who's the one that watches the money or guys, it's your wife that watches the money. And you're going to tell them how you're going to go out and save all of this money by buying stuff. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, that makes perfect sense. It's on sale. I saved 20%. And some of you are like, no, you cannot save money by spending money. How does that work? Some of you think, well, the way you spend money is you hold on to your money. That's right. That's the way you save it. And some of you think, well, I save money when I buy something that I don't need cheaper than I would have bought it 
if I would have bought it for full price. It doesn't work. You can't save money by purchasing. Now, I've blown it in the past. And probably most people in the room, you've blown it too. Of course I have. I wrote error in my checkbook, you know, if it was under 20 bucks. Right now, I just confess to you, I, there's something I want, but I haven't bought it yet. I, I want, it can almost, now I don't need, but I really want a new car or, or another car. The car I have now, it's an SUV, it's 13 years old, it just turned 185 or 86,000 miles. It runs okay. Now, I've saved up money, like I make a payment to myself every month, like you're supposed to, and I have this money, but then I go look at cars, and I realize, well, I only have enough money to buy an old car. I have an old car. Like, why would I... Why, I, every time I'll go and I'll tell my wife, I'm, gonna get, I'm doing it, I'm gonna get one. And I'll go there and I'll do the math. I'm like, all I have the money for is something old. I have something old, so why even go there? Now, if you see me in a few months driving another car, you'll know that somehow I justified it and somehow I got there and somehow I saved enough. But I struggle with that too, self-control when it comes to my finances. And God wants us to have self-control, because when we let that go in the area of finances, it starts to cause other things in our life to fall apart. It causes relationships to suffer. Maybe that's why there's so much advice about money in the Bible. Maybe that's why Jesus talked about it so much, because when you lose self-control in that area, many other things start to fall apart. If you've heard of Dave Ramsey, most people have. He's a financial advisor. Uh, he he's, can be a little grouchy at times if you've ever listened to him, but he's really smart. Here's what he says. Personal finance is 80% behavior and 20% knowledge. It's 80% of just having self-control. God, give me self-control. We should pray that. Prayer number two is, God, give me understanding. Again, the book of Proverbs, here's what King Solomon says. Turn your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Now, that can apply in every area of our life, but especially when it comes to our finances. We need understanding. Let's just look at when we're talking about debt, let's look at our national debt as of, uh, I think this was from Wednesday. So it's kind of old. It's gone up since then. You probably never said this number out loud. That's 19 trillion, 228 and that's gone up a lot. That is what our country owes to foreign banks. And that's continuing to increase, like in recent years, even more than all the years combined. The interest payment alone on the national debt is $1 billion a day. That's enough to take the continent of Africa, every person under the age of 18, and hand them $800 a day to live on. That's how much money that is. And just... When you look at our country, it's the same thing individually. You can't continually spend more than you have and not reach a crisis somewhere down the road. So you young folks, well, everybody, you should write this down. This is a big deal. You gotta write this down. This will change your life. 
Because many of you have not lived like this. Our country certainly hasn't been led like this. Here it is. Don't spend more than you make. (laughs) Whatever you make, that's how much money you have to spend. Now, you would think we're mostly adults in here. We should get that. If we did get that, debt wouldn't be the problem that it is today. If we got that, here's how much we have, and so here is how much we're going to spend. That number is depressing me. Could you move on to the next thing? Don't spend more than you make. Here's what King Solomon says. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Statistically, the average American citizen spends 8% more annually than they take in. So whatever your income is, if you're average, you have spent 8% more. Solomon is saying, you are a bunch of fools. You can't continue to spend more than you have and not have a crisis at some point in your life. Last year, in 2015, more Americans filed for bankruptcy than graduated from college. And if you're average, it means that you only give to charitable causes 2% of your income. No wonder. If you're spending 8% more than you have, no wonder people are filing for bankruptcy at a higher rate than graduating from college. So God, give us some understanding. $16,000, that's the average per person on credit cards. That's a lot, $16,000. It's not wrong to use a credit card. Some people use it, pay it off the next month. But when you use it to finance a lifestyle, that's when you get to that. Average car loan in our country is $30,000. Average monthly payment, according to Experian, is $503. The average finance length has jumped to 68 months in recent years. Some people are financing cars for 10 years. When a 13-year-old car will get you where you need to go. It may not have all the bells and whistles you want, but it'll get you where you need to go. Now, if you're at those numbers, it's putting a lot of stress on you. And it's a deeply spiritual issue. It's not something that the church needs to stay away from, or pastors shouldn't address. Living beyond our means is a spiritual issue. And so what's going on in the world is businesses who legitimately are trying to make money pitch it in such a way that it sounds like it's a great deal, but it's not. Like 90 days, same as cash. One year, same as cash. Now, if you've done this, don't feel bad, but don't do it again. So you see furniture advertised. If you sell furniture, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. You're probably going to get mad at me. But when you see that on furniture, I did a little research. You know what they do? They, they make the furniture cheaper, but it doesn't look cheaper initially. Uh, and then they mark it up to where it looks like it's a great price. And then they say, no finance charges. But guess where the finance charges are? In the cheap furniture. And so you walk away, we, I walk away feeling like, what a deal. I saved money but you bought cheap furniture that's going to wear out even though you think you got it low interest or interest free. 
So getting knowledge, getting understanding of how it works, the buy now, pay later is never for your advantage. I don't think you could find a scenario where it's your advantage unless mom and dad are doing it for you or grandma and grandpa, but you won't find anywhere else that buy now, pay later works to anybody's advantage but the one doing the selling, never the one doing the buying. God, give us self-control. God, give us understanding. And the final prayer is, God, give me a plan. Another verse from King Solomon says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. See, without a plan, people wander into debt. You want a new car, you go buy it. You just figure out, can I make the payments? Do you want uh, a vacation? You finance it, wherever. Put it all in credit cards, pay for the thing later. And you find yourself wandering into debt. But you'd never wander out of debt. Nobody's ever said, you know what? I just kind of, we just did it. We just paid it off, don't know how. Never really planned for it, but it just happened. Nobody would say that. But you probably know story after story of somebody that got disciplined and got serious and saw money as a deeply spiritual issue and said, this will not affect all other areas of my life. And they made a plan and something happened. So here's where you can start today. No more debt. Now, some corrections are made easily. The corrections where you're living beyond your means, buying stuff that you don't really need or just because it's nicer and using debt to finance all of that, that's easy to stop. Now, for some of you, you're at a place in life where that's how you actually eat every month. Now, that's a whole different set of circumstances, but that's not most people when it comes to debt. Most people are in debt because they buy things they can't afford. So make a decision, draw a line, no more debt. Stop using the credit card to go further into debt. And maybe, husband and wife, maybe y'all need to sit down and make a plan and make sure you're on the same page when the Black Friday ads start coming. And you decide before you ever get there what's gonna be spent and none of it's gonna be on debt. Maybe it's around the table saying, kids, mom and dad have blown it in the area of finances and we just want you to know that. But we're gonna fix it. And they're going to think, you can fix it at Christmas? Like, Christmas, you're going to fix it? Can't you wait, you know? So kids, if you're in here, you're probably already. How can I lobby to get them to wait till January 1st? <laughs> we're going to do a full-on attack on Christmas to make it about Jesus this year, okay? So we're going to do the same thing we did last year, debt-free Christmas challenge. We would love it if everybody said, I will take the challenge to get through Christmas debt-free and I won't fear the credit card bill in January. Just go on Facebook, find the debt-free Christmas challenge and join that. You'll see a lot of ideas on gift giving, money saving, sales, all that kind of stuff on that page. So do that. Decide. No more debt. Then decide this novel idea, live on less than we make. Just live on less than we make. Let's write down our income, write it down, whatever it is, and then say, we're going to live on less than that. I have had this years ago, I can remember I was at a place where I, we were living above the amount of income that was coming in. And so we had to sit down and say, we're not going to do this. My wife being an accountant, I was like, I repent. You may have everything now, the books and all that, and you take care of it. And she whipped me into shape. And it works just fine. Live on less than you make. And then get help. Sometimes it's just difficult to figure that out on your own. 
And it helps to sit with people saying, how do you do this? It's been such a lifestyle. I don't know how you do it. Maybe nobody ever taught you. No, your parent never brought you aside and said, let me show you how to budget. Let me show you uh, how to not go in debt. And so we've got a couple things coming up that you're going to want to be a part of. One is called Managing Money God's Way, and that is on Saturday, December the 3rd. There's a cost uh, connected to that, $10. Uh, you can sign up out at the Connect Center. You can also sign up on that card that's in your program. Just write God's Way, and we'll just email you a link uh, so you can sign up there. But I would love it if on that morning this room was full of people who said, we are going to start the pathway out. You'll learn budgeting techniques. You'll learn about investment. You'll learn about how to start to take steps to not be this time next year and in, be in the same financial condition. See, this, a plan is not meant to discourage you or make you feel guilty. And if you do feel guilty, let that guilt motivate you to make a change where you live on less than you actually make. And if you've ever been in financial trouble, you've probably prayed, God, show us a way out. Here's all the verses I read today about money. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is slave to the lender. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Turn your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Now, here's what you have to understand. God is not mad at you if you have a car payment or a big credit card payment. You can have a car payment and still live within your means. You can have a house payment and still live within your means. Most of us have to do that. But when you use debt to live beyond your means, you're outside of the life that God has for you. When debt helps you finance a lifestyle that you shouldn't be having at your income level anyway, there's a problem. Jesus talked about this many, many times. In one instance, he was teaching a group of people and he, he was talking about greed and finances and he said, be on your guard because this stuff can creep up on us, especially at this time of the year, especially when it's all so accessible but if that was true 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, be on your guard against this greed stuff and just getting yourself more and more and more and more, how much more is it true today? Just imagine for a moment your life, your family, your emotional life, if you got your finances under control. Just imagine that the biggest thing you had to think about when it came to your vacation was not, how are we going to finance this? It was, are we going to go to the beach or the mountains on the money that I've saved for vacation? Just imagine if something goes wrong with the car or you need a new car, you already have the money to go get it. Just imagine what living like that would be like. You'll never get there without self-control, without understanding, and without a plan. But just imagine your life years from now and you look back and if you have kids what you're going to hand down to your kids as far as finances so there's two ways to approach it you can just buy 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 spend 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 charge 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 and find yourself in a stressful place where you can today say i want out and i'm going to take those steps 
God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. And God, give me a plan. Let's say that together. God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. And God, give me a plan. Let's pray. God, we pray uh, when it comes to our finances that we could see those as a spiritual issue in our lives. And Father, there's so many ways for us to get off track. But I pray we would take the advice of Solomon, take the advice of Jesus and be on our guard. Father, may we find the pathway to financial freedom so it doesn't affect our relationships, it doesn't affect our stress, and it doesn't affect our pursuit and relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.